seems like every year in this country, this holiday season becomes more and more of a love-hate relationship. I just saw a billboard. I should have put the picture up here, a billboard from Atheist, and it was of a girl that looks like she's around a preteen age, and it was basically Dear Santa, you know, all I want for Christmas is to skip church because I'm too old to believe in fairy tales. The irony of it is she's writing a letter to Santa. <laughs> but you see, this is a, a time and a struggle in our country right now with regard to this holiday season. And this is, a, again, love-hate relationship. Even Phil brought this out during the prayer and, and even before the prayer of what goes on during this time. I mean, on one hand, you have people starting from somewhere around in October all the way through to the 1st of January with the second week of January. And you got feel good with all the music, all the songs. You have family gatherings during this time of year. You have all this food, more food and candy and more food and gifts and more food. Ten pounds later, <laughs> starting your New Year's resolution. And of course, you know, you, you have those wonderful memories of sharing that time. I mean, for me, I saw family for the first time in almost 20 years. And it's this time of year that we came together. It's the only time of year that families that have been apart for so long will be able to see each other um, each year. But on the other side, Phil mentioned this. You've lost someone who's so dear to you, and during this holiday season where everyone is getting together, families with each other, and some of our brothers and sisters in Christ and some of our neighbors are struggling with depression. Just the loss of someone that is, means so very much to them. You got materialism. What used to be, you know, we think it's cheap, but it was just out of necessity, but yet it was still that, the thought that really counted. Well, you got an orange as your gift. Right? Miss Doris is nodding her head. And today, the average family, now this is from the richest to the poor, the average in this country is over $700 spent on gifts. Let me break it to you. What $700 doesn't sound so much. We spend over $600 billion, with a B, dollars on presents and gifts during the holiday season. Let me wrap your mind around what that looks like. That's more than what China and Russia uses for their combined military budgets. Does that give you an idea of how much money we spend? materialism and so you've got this love-hate relationship in fact by the way that is what our budget is for our military about 600 to 700 billion dollars each year and the irony of families getting together the irony where families feud they fight get all the stress you think that you know this is a wonderful time of year you're coming together and families that come together in a arguing and fighting and it was like, well I don't have to see them for another year and so you got again this love hate relationship and beside the love hate relationship is the whole religious aspect should we even be quote-unquote celebrating this concept of Christmas it's not found in the Bible and so you got things where there's a survey done on the King James Bible News um, Facebook page that 110,000 viewers that saw this and 
a small fraction decided to partake in these questionnaires. And in this service was the question, do you think a Christian should celebrate Christmas? And 26% said no. So you got 72% that says yes, and others, I don't know. So you got that question going on, and among others, there are more than these two questions that I'm going to present, but do you believe December 25th is the day that Jesus was born? 83% said, no, that's not it. Interesting about this is that when asked then, you know, do we celebrate, do we not celebrate, why, why not? We've got this debate. It's the great Christmas debate. Among brethren, among people just professing Christianity, and you have some saying, yes, of course, because Romans chapter 14, verse 5, you know, one day above another, I mean, we, we want to remember the day that Jesus came into this world. And on the other side, it's saying, no, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. There's nothing, no Bible authority to have this day celebrated. Jesus' death is what is given in Scripture, not his birth. And so you have the debate. And then you have those right in between. It's yes, but no. We do celebrate it, but not religiously, because religiously we don't have authority, but yet we celebrate it as a liberty as a national holiday. And so you have all in between. That's what's going on. It goes on among brethren. It takes place at this time of year, of all the time of year, this time of year, these questions come up among Christians. There was a situation in the first century where when the apostle Paul was traveling and preaching Jesus Christ, there are those on his heels that were trying to get him killed or jailed, and there were those in addition to, to them trying to get him killed and jailed that were jealous of Paul. And in their jealousy, they would also preach Jesus Christ, trying to discredit the Apostle Paul, trying to destroy his reputation. And here's what Paul was talking about. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, some indeed preach Christ... From envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. And then he says, here in this last part, highlighted, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and we'll rejoice. Did you get that? Whether for good reasons or bad reasons, Jesus' name is coming up. And for that I rejoice. Because it gives more opportunity to talk about the one who I believe has come into this world, has died for your sins as well as mine, and so let his name be preached. Now, he is not giving an excuse for false teaching. It's not his point. And nor is it the point 20 centuries later to uphold false teaching just because Jesus is proclaimed. But the fact that his name is proclaimed is wonderful. Do you hear that? We have people that would never come into this building except for this time of year. You know what? I give thanks for that. I really do. That's an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed. 
And there are very many that would say, oh, no, but this is not the right time. And we should never sing the song we sang right now because that's Christmas. Well, even Levi, after the song was over, isn't that a Christmas song, Dad? <laughs> it's a hymnal. I said, that song traditionally has been brought over into the Christmas season, but it's a hymnal of great praise to God, sung any time of the year. But it's interesting how our minds work and how our minds can offend and how our minds can allow just how each mind works this way. And that's why we have these debates and that's why we have these questions. And, and Paul is saying, you know, whether it's out of this motive or that motive, let his name be proclaimed and I will rejoice in that. And so I'm going to rejoice as well that we have this opportunity at this time of year when many people won't even talk about God in a spiritual way. And mind you, there are many that are just talking about God in all this materialistic, blasphemous ways, but that's not what this sermon is about. It's about the opportunity for us to proclaim that Jesus Christ came into this world. So that's what we're looking at for just a few minutes here. So notice, as was mentioned, this comes from the 98th Psalm. And we could read many other passages in Isaiah, um, in Deuteronomy, in Genesis, other places that deal with the Lord's coming. Hundreds of prophecies concerning the coming of Jesus Christ and his life here on earth and his death. But notice, he has to come. And for centuries, many of the Jews that after they had gone into Babylonian captivity, they finally began to look at the scriptures from a messianic standpoint. Before, all the prophecies concerning Christ didn't have a messianic tone to it. It was about the initial, immediate context, the primary context. But later on, after captivity and allowing them to reflect upon the word of God, they began to see, hey, there's a Messiah coming. I mean, all those passages that we, that we could read before, now they're making sense. The Messiah is going to come. He's going to be born over here. Here's what he's going to do. Here's how he's going to reign. And even if it was somewhat of a convoluted picture of the Messiah, they believed that he was going to come. And that's what brings us to some of these passages that we can read of in Scripture. In Luke chapter 1, I want you to read with me of what it's like. Elizabeth, she's about, I believe, six months pregnant when Mary goes to see her. And in Luke chapter 1, here is their encounter. And I want you to see just why Luke adds this in as a period, in fact, of rejoicing. In verse 39, Luke chapter 1, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went to, into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb John the Baptist not yet born gets happy he's rejoicing we wonder whether he's just a baby it just think about the picture here that is given Luke is recording this this is something special Luke attributes the arrival of Mary who is likewise with child and the babe leaps as Luke says, for joy. Not because, oh, he's just kicking. Right? That would be the easy thing to say. Baby's just kicking. No, this baby leaped for joy, so to speak. As, that's what Luke records. 
And Elizabeth, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Luke is recording this as a quotation of Elizabeth's words. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told from her or told her from the Lord. So there's rejoicing from Elizabeth, there's rejoicing from her babe in her womb in this case. Go back to Matthew chapter 2 and read the text here. Of course, these are passages that should be familiar with us, but notice what it says here in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, uh, Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. These astrologers, these magi, these wise men were awaiting for the coming Messiah. And when that star in the east had shone, they knew from prophecy there's a Messiah. They've been waiting for this. They've been studying the scriptures in such a manner that they would remember that when this time comes, they'll be ready. And these men were at the right place at the right time to remember that and came desiring to worship him. And of course, they brought their, their gifts. Well, go on to um, verse 8 through 11 and look at what it says here. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring, him back, to, uh, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Here's not wanting to worship him. He's wanting to kill the Messiah because he did not want his uh, place or status being removed. That's his mindset of the future um, king of Israel. Well, when he or when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over them where the young child was. And where they, um, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they'd come into the house, they saw uh, the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we have um, glad tidings being announced. We have rejoicing taking place at the coming of our Lord. These are all biblical evidence of some great momentous occasion in the history of this world. And it's no wonder why you have individuals that say, let's remember and rejoice in this day. Kind of like when you read of, of holidays or holy days of Israel during the New Testament era that was never talked about from God saying, here's what I want you to do. And how you had with Jews the menorah or how you have um, just this remembrance of the deliverance that God had while they were in captivity. And coming up with what we now call Hanukkah. These are one of a number of illustrations, in fact, where the Jews would celebrate certain days of God rejoicing for God, what God has done. And so that's the, the historical traditions that we have. But I want you to just see simply the good news involved with Jesus coming into this world. You see, without the birth of Jesus Christ, 
we would not have the fulfillment of Scripture of his coming, his birth, Isaiah chapter 9, right? And we would not be able to have a burial or a resurrection if we didn't have a birth. And so we have this in itself, but even through his birth then is the fulfillment of prophecy, just as, um, as we can read of. And we see the passage of Scripture that says, here is God with us, or Emmanuel. Think about that. There's a little baby, and the reference that Matthew gives is, this is God. That is just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. To look at a baby and saying, Emmanuel. Those are things that, as far as the words are concerned, that stayed with Mary for years. As she's pondering what Elizabeth told her a few months before, what she is now hearing from an angel of the Lord, and what she is now hearing from, from these dialogues that she is having. And so we have this life, and, in, and of course, the life that he lived. I mean, we are told that he was tempted in every which way that we are tempted. Yet he was without sin. It's what allowed for him to come into this world and live among us, live with us, live with all the temptations that we are tempted with and fall short of God's glory. And he can empathize with us, having come in the flesh, having lived among men, John chapter 1 tells us. And so we have all these things with regard to the, the one that we proclaim as Jesus the Christ. And it's through him then, and with this birth that we have, the song today, all these songs that pertain to the night where he came to this world or holy night and silent night. Or when we talk about various aspects of his childhood or, or things that pertain to his whole life. What, um, I, some, is it Alan Cohen? I forgot the guy's name that sang the song Hallelujah or wrote the song Hallelujah. Some of you may know, I think it's Cohen is his last name. Well, there's another person that, that took that hallelujah song and, and worked through the whole life of Jesus Christ from his birth till his resurrection reigning over us because of our sins. It's because of moments like this that when we look at the life of our Savior that I rejoice because it gets us talking about the one who died for you and me. Sometimes we have this box that says, you know, it's right here, and this is the only opportunity right here. And then the other means don't talk about Jesus. Even though we don't say it that way, it comes across that way. We should always be talking about Jesus Christ. Always with the opportunity so that souls can be saved. Brethren, otherwise, why go out into our communities and preach the gospel? We want to do it every time of the year, right? And we ought and so here, the 98th Psalm, just was read for us by Max. Again, paraphrased. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. What the scripture says in James chapter 5, if a man is happy, sing. Right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praises. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. That's the kind of 
savior slash judge that you and I have. That's cause for rejoicing. It's a great opportunity. I want you to think about why you're here this morning. For most of us in this room, the reason why you're here is because Jesus died for your sins. You would face God on judgment as I would. And we would have nothing to say. Our mouths would be closed shut. Our wages would be we're sinners and condemned for an eternity separated from his love, from his fellowship. No matter how powerful or how eloquent I can make those words, that is our destiny, if you will. A righteous, holy judgment. But his will, out of his love, is to send his son, part of his Godhead, to send his son, the very express image of our Heavenly Father to come into this world. Now tell me if you're not going to rejoice over that. You think about that. And when other people talk to you about the Lord, and it's only this time of year, instead of saying, well, don't talk to him about only now, you only want to talk to him about him right now, talk, to him, talk about him all throughout the year. Yes, but you know what? No, not every person is on the same part of that road, so to speak, that you're on. Not everyone is at the same quote-unquote mature level that you are, that you're saying, well, we talk about the Lord all the time. Yes. I came from that family, by the way, that went to church once a year. That was me. But once a year, we went. In fact, I'll just be honest. My family went. I stayed home most of those years. Nine years old, stay home because I didn't want to go. I thought it was boring. But we went every once in a while. What a great opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. Some of the people, unless we go into our community, will never hear about Jesus Christ except what they hear about at this time of year. That's a reality. Unless you're wanting to go out and reach them and bring them here into this building, they're not going to hear about Jesus unless someone opens their mouth. And so I want you to think about these things and always rejoice whenever the opportunity comes for us to talk about our Savior. We have a song now with invitation that's given for us, Just As I Am. Think about it. Right now, just as you are, without Jesus, you're lost. But he wants you. That's why he came for you as you are, a lost sinner. He wants to make you his. As one person put it, we need to put Christ back in the Christian <laughs> What you do is you come into Christ. You belong to him. That you may glorify his name. That's what you can do right now. Do you believe that he is the risen son of God? Well, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what he told his disciples to go proclaim into all the world in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what his disciples did. And you can read that in the book of Acts starting in chapter 2. They proclaimed Jesus, and thousands upon thousands came into his kingdom. They were added because they believed his word. They believed that he was the, the risen son of God. And they were joined to him in the, his likeness of death. You want that? He gives you that opportunity right now to be joined in him.
you can die in those, that watery grave that we have ready for you. And when you rise up out of that water, you can rise to walk in newness of life. That's the invitation for you right now. It's together we stand and sing.